In this episode of Desert Island Torah, we have the Zuchut of speaking to Rabbi Andrew Israeli. Rabbi Israeli studied psychology at YU and has a master's from the Israeli School of Jewish Education and Administration. He spent two years learning in the Gris Kolau in Jerusalem while working at Yeshiva Torah Shraga and received Smika from Reeds. Rabbi Israeli teaches at Frisch and is the Associate Program Director of the NTSY Kolau. Thank you so much, Rabbi Israeli. For joining us today. It's a real secret to have you with us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be able to learn together. So Desert Island Torah, three pieces of Torah that you would take with you to a desert island. What do they mean to you? Why are they so important to you? Really looking forward to learning with you. So if we jump right in, should we go with your first piece? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so uh, the first piece of uh, Desert Island Torah that I would say uh, is a relatively classic suggestion, uh, and it comes from the introduction to the Mesilas Yisharim. And uh, it's one of the first pieces of Torah that I learned that really uh, impacted my life and impacted the way that I do things, impacted the way that I think, uh, and really uh, brought me onto a, uh, a path of thoughtfulness and uh, really contemplation in terms of my religious identity. Obviously, the Mesilas Yisharim, the uh, great Musr Sefer written by Ramon Shechaim Lutzato, who lived in the early part of the 1700s, begins with uh, his introduction, in which he describes that in order for a person to go ahead and in order for a person to develop in life and their relationship uh, with uh, not only Ben Adam Lamakom, but really Ben Adam Laatzmo, so a person has to make sure that they're solidified uh, in their foundations and strong in their uh, basic beliefs uh, before uh, jumping into many of the more sophisticated and complex ideas that Yiddishkeit has to offer. And the Mesilas Yisharim basically describes the fact that a lot of times and very frequently we get so excited about some of the uh, more intricate world uh, worlds of halacha, some of the more intricate discussions that Torah has, that Chumash has, that Shas and Mishnayos have, and unfortunately we forget about some of the basics. And what the Mesilas Yisharim does is the Mesilas Yisharim tries to remind us that we have to really make sure that everything uh, that serves as the diving board, everything that serves as the uh, the spring beneath our leap to go ahead and to really uh, accomplish and to really make our way through the world of Torah is uh, is, is is the basics or the things that uh, really drive us. Avas Hashem, Yuras Hashem, the understanding of the uh, recognition and acknowledgement of Hashem in the world. And uh, once we do that, and once we have that recognition, so then we can go forward, and then we can develop, and then we can progress, and then we can move into some of the more uh, intricate areas that the Mesil Shasharim describes based on Rebbe Pinchas ben the world of Zihirus, the world of Zrizus, the world of Precious, the world of Tara, the world of Ruach HaKodesh, all of those things are uh, certainly goals and certainly objectives that we try to uh, that we try to reach, that we try to achieve. But unfortunately, some of us want to arrive at the level of Ruach HaKodesh and the level of Tara without accomplishing all of the things that come before it. The Mesil Shasharm describes the fact that if we jump uh, that ladder too quickly, if we skip too many rungs on that ladder, then we're simply going to be... Uh, unsuccessful at arriving at a real level of Tara, a real le level of, uh, of Ruach HaKodesh, which is the ultimate level that we are supposed to get to uh, as uh, as Jews. And I think that that's why the Hakdama, the introduction to the Mesil Sesharim, is something that's so uh, foundational and so pivotal to be able to appreciate the basics and the foundations of why we do what we do and our relationship uh, with Hashem that uh, propels us to great uh, to great things. Absolutely. It's such a unique Hagdama. 
Um, I think what's so awesome is that he makes it clear that he's not here to like write Kadoshim, rather he's telling us stuff we already know that we really need to take in. Like most things we do in the world, like a lot of people do intellectual things and become specialists in areas, engineering or mathematics or teaching or whatever it might be. But no one's learning about Avodah Hashem. And I think he implies that you could be learning Torah in the wrong way, but really we need to be learning Torah in the right way. Um, and our Avodah Hashem should be directed in the right way. Um, Correct. So, so I think that's exactly hitting the uh, hitting the nail on the head, just in terms of uh, you know the way that we uh, the way that we build our religious personalities and the uh, intellectual gymnastics that we sometimes try to uh, that we try to be involved in, uh, really without making sure that our uh, that our roots that our foundations are as strong as possible, um, and uh, and uh, ultimately that's really how our end goal is going to be as successful as it possibly could. And uh, you know, in all areas of uh, of, uh, of success, of professional success and personal success, so person sees an end goal and thinks that you can get to an end goal. You see a surgeon, you see a lawyer, and uh, often you forget about what happened initially and the initial steps that it took and some of the foundational ideas that uh, that a person had to really uh, invest in. And uh, we have the same exact principles when it comes to our Avodah Hashem. So. Absolutely. I really think it covers so much about like what is our real task in this world? Like Dafka, like, are we really here to Langamar? Or are we really, like, is there really meaning behind it? What is the meaning behind our Avodah Hashem? Like, we do three times a day. Do we have a relationship with our Kaddish who what is Avodah Hashem? Um, I think all these things are so important and really are big questions which kind of follow up what the Ramchal is saying. So should we go on to your next piece? Uh, sure, sure. Uh, you got it. We will uh, we'll move into our next piece. And I think that um, a really life-changing idea that, uh, that I am extremely fond of uh, is uh, a comment that appears in uh, in Parshas Bo. And uh, we know that the Jewish people are told about the first mitzvah that's going to be applicable to the entirety of Kal Yisrael as we are, uh, as we are making our way out of Mitzrayim. And that's the mitzvah of HaChodesh HaZalachem, the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. And many Mepharshim try to wonder, why is it that Rosh Chodesh serves as the first mitzvah that's given to Kal Yisrael? What about the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh is so special, is so unique that we have to get it first and at this particular point in time. So there's a brilliant comment of the Sephorno that the Sephorno makes on uh, on the uh, on the Psukim and Parshas bow, which describes the uh, the importance of a Jewish person uh, taking advantage of uh, taking advantage of time. And I think that it's a pivotal idea in terms of the way in which we watch the moon and the way in which the moon grows and gets smaller and the way in which the moon represents the fact that time uh, moves on in our calendar and our world and our clocks all continue to uh, to roll, continue to uh, progress. And we uh, have the opportunity to go ahead and we have the opportunity to take advantage of time. Rabbi Soloveitchik, in describing the uh, the uh, the concept of Kiddush HaChodesh and what Chodesh uh, and what uh, what the, uh, the, the the concept of Rosh Chodesh represents, so Rabbi Soloveitchik described the fact that a person lives a life of slavery and servitude, so time doesn't belong to them. Person who lives in uh, a world in which a master is over them and every single thing that they do. So there's no sense of time belonging to me. My time belongs to my master, and therefore my time is uh, meaningless. There's no point of me going ahead and me trying to make 
use of my time. I wake up in the morning, I do whatever it is that my master asks me to do, and I go to sleep at night, and then the next thing happens, the next day, the next day, and so on and so forth. When we, the Jewish people, got out of Mitzrayim and we were uh, uh, released from the shackles of Paro and the entire world of uh, of the uh, the culture of Mitzrayim, so time, once again, or really for the first time, belonged to us as the members of Kal Yisrael. And what Rabbi really warns us about is that now that we're becoming a nation and now that we're becoming Am Yisrael, so we have to realize and appreciate, internalize and really give emphasis and focus to the fact that time is ours. What are we going to do with the time? How are we going to make the time as meaningful, as wholesome, as productive as it possibly could be? Now that obviously uh, appears in the world of uh, in the world of Limunat Torah, learning Torah, of doing chesed, of doing mitzvos, of being involved in this uh, overarching uh, world of Avodas Hashem, where uh, it's our opportunity that Hashem gives us a certain amount of time in this world, and it's our job to go ahead, and it's our job to take advantage of it. The story told, whether it's apocryphal or not, uh, but the message of the story, I think, is uh, quite relevant to this idea. And they say that when Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, one of Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky's sons, got married, so he was building up the fact that he had an incredible wedding gift to provide him with. And that wedding gift uh, was going to be something that was going to uh, appear in a little box as uh, as uh, as he was going to get married. And Rav Yaakov was going to present it to him at his uh, at his wedding. So before the wedding, Yaakov comes and Yaakov gives this uh, this uh, this son of his this uh, this box. He opens the box and he sees in the box there's a very simple watch in the box. So the son, uh, you know, maybe he was expecting uh, something a little bit more uh, extravagant or grand. He opens up this simple watch, which uh, probably could have been bought for a few dollars in the uh, in the dollar store or something. And uh, he was, uh, and uh, and he was wondering, you know, what was so unique and what was so special about this watch? So Yaakov explained to him that a person, as they uh, move on in life, we realize that our time is limited, and it's our job to take advantage of the time that we're allotted in this world. And Yaakov gave him this watch to uh, symbolize to him that the most important thing that we have in the world is uh, is time to use uh, to use our time to our advantage to make our time most productive and to uh, be able to uh, to realize that our time in the world is. Uh, valuable that we can provide the world with incredible uh, productivity and positivity and light and redemption that the world uh, always needs. Uh, and it's our job to go ahead and take advantage of that time. So when I think of the idea that I would take, the second idea that I would take to a desert island, and I think about the concept of Kiddush HaChodesh and making Rosh Chodesh and what means that Rosh Chodesh is something so special and so unique. So it really means that we have to appreciate the time that we're given and to use that time to to uh, our advantage to make it as productive as it possibly could be. Absolutely. Time is all about how we grow. And I think connecting to the moon, like the moon waxes and has a way of renewal. And in life, we should like absorb every moment and find ways to better ourselves. And that's all about time. And like, just as the verse says, like arise, go out from the turmoil, go out from the turmoil and make use of our time right. So can every opportunity. Um, and I think that's a really powerful message from... And I think also just uh, in your uh, in commenting on on the moon, which is obviously the uh, the uh, the main component of Kiddush Hodesh. So the moon has moments where the moon is large and uh, light and uh, beautiful and stunning, and the moon has moments that it's uh, slimmer, that it's slim, that it's small, that it doesn't necessarily provide uh, that level of light and that level of reflection. Uh, and uh, that's also a symbolic of uh, of a person's life, 
the great moments, the moments that are not as grand, that are not as uh, that are not as uh, exotic, I would say, and the moments that are more simple, the moments that are more slim, the moments that are uh, that are smaller in nature. There's so much that can be learned just from the uh, just from the moon and just from the uh, just from the uh, the mitzvah, the first mitzvah given to Kal Yisrael, that of Kiddush Hakodesh. Yeah, and that really connects to what it says in Panini Halacha, which says that the moon's reduction symbolizes deficiencies that exist in creation, which is the descent of the soul as it enters the world and all the failures that one experiences during life. So these deficiencies are prerequisites for growth and they help us reach higher levels, which is really powerful and important. Should we move into your last piece of Torah? Okay, sure. Uh, so uh, it happens to be a piece of Torah that's been on my mind and something that uh, I've been thinking about and something that uh, I try to uh, instill uh, into uh, the things that I do. Um, and I, in my teaching and in my learning, I really do my best to appreciate the Misora of my Rebbeim, of my parents, of Klal Yisrael, of what it means to be uh, a link in the uh, a link in the chain. So we know that in Parshas Vayigash, there are quite uh, quite a uh, litany uh, of thoughts, of ideas, of this reuniting between Yosef and his brothers, the relationship that Yosef has with Yehuda, with the other brothers that Yosef has with Yaakov, uh, and uh, what it means that all of these Shvatim uh, come together and all of the Shvatim prepare for this uh, reunification uh, at this uh, juncture, at this point in time. And I saw an insight that I was really blown away by this year. Uh, and I really, um, I took to it. I think that it's really uh, wonderful. I think it's a little bit uh, on the world of Jerush. It's definitely homiletical and uh, uh, really something to think about. And Yosef Atzadik has his brothers uh, come down to Mitzrayim. So he looks at Yehuda and he asks the following question. And he asks the brothers, Do you, the brothers, have a father? Do you, the brothers, have a, uh, have a, uh, have a brother? So, First glance, it seems like a very uh, simple and innocuous question. He's wondering whether or not, you know, the uh, the brothers have a family. The brothers obviously have no idea who Yosef is, as the Pusik says in uh, the previous Parsha, that they were Makir Yosef. That, sorry, the Yosef was Makir them, the Hain Lohiki Ruhu, that the brothers never recognized Yosef. But when Yosef goes ahead and asks, so what is it that Yosef is asking? So Rabbi Soledic points out that. When uh, he was a young child in uh, in Russia many many years ago, so it happened to have been that Parshas Vayigash is definitely uh, definitely read the uh, the week of or the week after Hanukkah ends, and he said that this idea inspired him throughout the entire winter months. And he said that in his class they were sitting and they were reading this pasuk, they were going through and his Rebbe banged on the table and uh, offered the following suggestion and wondered, what does it mean, obviously, they have a father. When Yosef went ahead and asked them, every single human being in the history of the world has a father, other than Adam Arishon. So what's this question of, clearly they have a father. What was it that Yosef was actually asking them? So Rabbi Soloveitchik presents the thought from his Chabad Melamed, when he was uh, in his uh, in his early childhood years, and he says the following brilliant insight: Yosef was not asking them whether or not they had a physical father. Yosef wasn't asking them uh, if their father was still alive. Yosef was not asking them uh, about uh, whether or not they had a relationship with their father. Yosef was asking them: Are you connected to your father? Are you taking the values that your father uh, instilled within you 
And are you living your lives with those values? Yosef was asking them, are your father's values or the values of Yaakov in your life? Have you imbued them and imbibed them into your uh, into your existence? Do you live life with your father uh, at the core of everything you do? And it was a message to the Mesorah of Klal He was asking the brothers, is father alive within you? Not do you have a father, nothing physical, nothing tangible, but our dad's roots really within you are the messages and the ideals of life that father tried to pass on to you are those existent within uh, within yourselves. So Yosef Atzadik was uh, responded to and the brother said, yeah, we do have a father. We do have a father who lives within us. That you think about the future and the brachos that are going to be given to the brothers in Parshas Vayichi. So Yaakov Avinu makes sure, and there are all sorts of comments and suggestions. So why it is that Yaakov Avinu gave the brachos in the order that he gave them? Some of the brachos are a little bit sharper and a little bit more uh, uh, musari, I would say, a little bit more educational than uh, your average blessing that a father would probably give to their child. But really what all of this description and discussion describing uh, the fatherly relationship that the brothers had with their father is getting at is that they really were connected. They really, really, they really were related. They did have uh, all of what their father tried to instill within them, currently uh, a part of them. And they were taking their dad's roots and they were taking their dad's morals and ethics and uh, relationship, really, with the Boreolam and brought it into their lives. So when Yosef Atzadik was asking them, Yosef wasn't wondering, do you have a father? Do you have a father who's uh, alive? Do you have a father whose heart is beating? Yosef knew all of that. Yosef was wondering, do you have a father that's alive within each and every one of you? Are you living the life that your father would have wanted for you to live? I think that it's such a beautiful insight and it's such a beautiful idea. Certainly when we think about uh, the legacy and the generations of Klal Yisrael, uh, we, uh, we think about what people have passed on to us are the lifestyles and are the choices and are the sacrifices living within our lives today, something that we have to think of and something that when we frame our lives as Jews, so we have to have that at the forefront of our mind to uh, to really appreciate what it is that we are fortunate to be a part of. Absolutely. And it's interesting because in the Gemara, in Tanit, I think, hey, Ahmed Bet, it says Yaakov never dies. And I think that's a really powerful message connecting to what you're saying, because the values of Yaakov kind of live on. As in, also we're like Bnei Israel, Am Israel. Um, Yaakov was obviously Israel, um, and I think that's a really powerful message within um, this idea. Correct. Yeah. So I think that that's the uh, you know that's the uh, that's the shot with Yaakov Lomace, and certainly uh, we think that we're Bnei Israel, and uh, the Jewish people that live are still the legacy uh, of Avraham Yitzchak and Yaakov, uh, and certainly the uh, the positives the uh, contributions and the way in which the Avos uh, established our uh, our people uh, and the Ma'as Avos Simon Lebanim that was passed down to us, the legacies that they left for us uh, are all there for us to look at and try to emulate and do our best to live our lives with those ideals. Absolutely. I think Vayigash is kind of like ending Barisha and we see the reality of Kulanu and a family which kind of comes close together through values and it's a really powerful and important thing to remember and think about right so thank you so much rabbi israeli for coming on today and learning with us it was a real to have you on thank you very much my pleasure really uh really wonderful 
and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to listening and to continuing the uh, the podcast and uh, listening to all of the uh, all of the great guests you've had on, uh, and it's uh, really a terrific initiative. And uh, you should be matzliach. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Desert Island Torah. Feel free to share our podcast with family and friends so that we can reach out to Amisrael. And if you enjoyed that episode, please feel free to download and subscribe. And if you want to discuss your own Desert Island Torah, get in touch at desertislandtorah at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.